Let us pray together. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see Jesus in all his glory. Open our ears, Lord, that we may hear what you have to say to each one of us tonight. And open my mouth, Lord God, that I may speak your truth in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A man went to his doctor. He had a problem with snoring. And uh, he said to the doctor, this is the problem that I've got. As soon as I go to sleep, he said, I begin to snore. It happens all the time. And all I want to know is what can I do to cure myself? And the doctor says, well, does it bother your wife? Oh, yes, the man answers. In fact, it not only bothers her, but it disturbs the whole congregation. (laughs) One person's behaviour can affect a lot of people, can have consequences for many people. And we see this clearly in our Gospel reading. Just as someone snoring loudly can disturb a whole congregation, Jesus, in his preaching and healing, had a profound effect. And there were consequences for those who received the gospel message and who were healed by him. And the ministry of Jesus, and indeed the whole Christian church, is both a ministry of preaching and of healing, of words and action. We need the two together. And it's no accident that in the New Testament Greek, the word to heal also means to save. For me, that's very important. Jesus came to save us. Isaiah was talking about the fact that people needed to be saved. He came to save us. But he came to do that by healing through his death upon the cross, but also healing people of physical, mental, emotional, and other diseases and illnesses. It was all part of the healing of the world that was broken. And in doing so, he was demonstrating the power of God and the gospel in the world. And today, I want to think about Jesus' power in our own lives. Let's have a look at this passage in the gospel. And mother-in-laws have been the brunt of jokes since the beginning of time. Well, I guess that's not actually quite accurate, since Adam and Eve didn't have a mother-in-law, according to the uh, scriptures. So it must be shortly after that that mother-in-law jokes uh, came on the scene and became very uh, popular. And I'm very fortunate. I have a wonderful mother-in-law. And I'm extremely fond of her. Frances's mum has had a tremendous influence on me and has been tremendously caring uh, towards us and supportive towards us in our ministry. And for this reason, I can understand Peter's desire not to tell a joke about his mother-in-law, but to see her healed. And this wasn't just an opportunity for Jesus to perform a miracle for others to see as a sign of the kingdom. I think here he was moved by compassion. Jesus was moved by compassion. I want you to think for a moment about Simon Peter's 
family. He's referred to in the passage as Simon, but we know him well as Peter. Peter was the oldest child in his family, so he was the head of the household. And he would have been expected to provide for his family's well-being. He was the breadwinner, and his brother would help him naturally, but it would have mainly been his responsibility as the eldest. He would have been the family spokesperson. Well, we know he was uh, one for speaking up. He would have made the decision for the family members. If a son were to marry, he would have had to have found the bride. I'm not sure I fancy that too much, but there we are. Uh, If a daughter were to marry, he would have had to have approved the marriage and to receive the dowry. And we can look at this in, in, through our eyes and say this is all very strange, but this is the way it was at that time. And we can work out that his wife probably had no brothers. Now, why was that? Well, at least if she had brothers, they must have passed away because he had taken his mother-in-law into his home. Now, that would have been the mother-in-law's Um, uh, uh, brother's job to do that. But actually here he takes her in and she would have become his responsibility as well as other family members who are still around. Now why am I telling you all this background? Well I think it's really important because Peter must have realised that it was very difficult. He dropped everything He dropped all his family responsibilities when he started to follow Jesus. But he still cared. He still cared. And it must have been a tremendous decision. We talk about the disciples leaving their nets and following Jesus. But there was consequences for that. Did he not care about his family? He did care. And here we see that care in action. There were some, probably, who were thinking at that time that he was just going off gallivanting with Jesus and shirking his responsibilities, but he wasn't. And Peter recognized something special about the Lord, and he knew that he needed to give the Lord everything. And now he appeals to the Lord. And this is why I think this passage is so important, as it shows Peter's care. He had a responsibility for his mother-in-law. And so even though it was the Sabbath day, he turns to Jesus to restore the situation. Now, if we go back a little bit, Mark chapter 1, verse 21, if you've got your Bibles, you'll see this. But uh, Mark tells us that Jesus had cast out a demon from the man in the synagogue in Capernaum. And this is the first healing miracle that we read about in Mark and Luke's Gospels. And it was probably the first miracle that Peter had seen, too. And now in verse 29, we hear how Jesus and his disciples leave the mayhem of the synagogue after he had uh, done what he had done and head for Simon and Andrew's home. And it was probably a break after church, if you like. Uh, They'd been worshipping together and now they come home and they bring Jesus home with them. It was the Sabbath meal, time for the Sabbath meal, time to relax as well. I want to think about three things tonight. First of all, a life of healing includes our home life. 
A life of healing includes our home life. I want to ask the question, you've come to a healing service tonight, but will you go and take Jesus back to your home in your hearts with you? After the synagogue service had concluded, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James and John and Jesus strolled over to their home. And the house was probably not far from the synagogue. And when Jesus came into the home and Peter found his mother-in-law in bed with a life-threatening condition, possibly sick with either typhoid fever or malaria, that's the likely things that she was suffering from. Luke's gospel said it was a high fever, and he should know because he was a physician. So she was very seriously ill. And although Jesus had to be disciplined about his time and energy, he was never without compassion and love. And he often, that compassion often took precedent over his own needs. So though he was exhausted, he responds to the need and he goes and he heals. I want to say that Jesus is interested in your home life. If you are concerned about someone, He is concerned about them. If you love them, he loves them. If you think that there is no hope, that's where we differ. Because he can bring hope. I want to encourage you today to bring your needs, your concerns, your fears about your family to the one who can make a difference. His hand is beckoning us today. I can hear him say to us, Let me take you by the hand, as I did Simon's mother-in-law. Trust me, I am your friend. Bring me home. Wherever your home is, invite Jesus in. Because a life of healing includes our home life. And we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying in our homes for one another. Don't just leave it to people in church. We learn how to pray here, to go and model it, to do it, to show our children, our neighbours, our friends in our homes that Jesus cares and he heals. The second thing is that a life of healing includes public life as well as our home life. Jesus' healing can be known in our public activity. Mark tells us that when the people of Capernaum caught word of Jesus' message and his work of healing, the whole city gathered around the door. Can you imagine it? They'd gone home (laughs) and the whole city had gathered outside. And according to Mark, Jesus responds in this way. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases And he cast out many demons. Our Lord isn't one who shuts the door on the world. And neither should we. The healing ministry is not just about what happens in this church. It's not just about what happens in your home. It's about the whole world. It's about what you do every day. If you like... I'm involved in many, as a trustee, many charities, and you have to ask the question, is there any public benefit to your charity? The gospel is about public benefit. It's not a private affair with those Christians who gather. 
It is for the world. And so therefore, in the healing ministry, we need to go from this place and to care for people in Christ's name. To pray for people. It may not be in a demonstrative way. But there are ways that we can be channels of healing. When there is an argument somewhere, how do you respond? Do you bring healing to it? When there are problems, how do you bring grace to it? When you are at work, how do you make a difference to your workplace? When you are in your leisure, do people know that Jesus is important to you and has changed your life and without pushing it down people's throats, you actually show that he cares for them. Because Jesus didn't shut the door. He went out and he made a difference. And the disciples learned how to do that. We're studying Acts of the Apostles in the morning and we're seeing how the disciples carried on that work after Jesus returned to be with his father. And what's more, that is something for everyone. One of the wonderful things here is after Simon's mother-in-law is healed, she then serves him. And we may think uh, it's strange, but it was the woman's job in those days to do the domestic duties, and that was serving men in that way was seen to be the right thing to do. We live in a very different, liberated age today. But actually, it was more than her doing the domestic duties. She was modelling service out of gratitude. And there is a sense that the disciples weren't particularly good at modelling service at first. And we know women weren't included in the original uh, disciples. Again, it was the way things were in those days. But here we see a woman who is showing the disciples how to serve out of gratitude their Lord. And they needed to learn it. Mark 10, if anyone wants you to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, he must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve and give his life to redeem many people. Healing in public life means that we go to serve because Christ has served us. And we go out of gratitude for when we have received healing. We go because we are grateful and we want others to know of his love as well. So on our streets, in our work, in our workplaces, family and friends, in our leisure, we should be modelling a healing community. So do we allow Jesus into our public life as well as our home life? And do we serve humbly? And finally, a life of healing includes our private prayer life as well. It must have been times when Jesus became absolutely exhausted. The emotion of his task, the sense of responsibility, the sheer physical demands that he faced must have weighed very heavily upon him. It's no real comparison, but I know, and the members of the healing team will know, after an evening of praying, you can be absolutely exhausted when you go home. When I conduct a funeral, 
and you've given of yourself to help people, you can be exhausted. Those of you in caring professions will know how caring for others can absolutely drain you. And yet, Jesus went back to pray so that he could be energized to go out to serve. So first of all, we learn the importance of our private prayer life. But then he went out again. But do we have a sense of the healing ministry in our own prayer life, that we bring our needs to God? Here we do that together in a sense. This is where our private prayer life comes together in the Christian healing community and we pray for one another. But do you pray on your own that God will strengthen you at any time of the day? And do you pray for others? For it's then when we have asked the Lord to actually meet our needs that we can actually be strong enough to go out as wounded healers to actually make a difference in the world. Our gospel ended with these words, so he travelled all over Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. He could only do that with a private prayer life. So, my life of healing, as I look at this passage, has to do with the home, has to do with our public lives, has to do with our private lives and here in the church those things come together and we come to minister to one another and I pray that as we meet we will know God saving his world and saving us I was trying to find the quote before this evening and I couldn't find it but someone once said that healing is creation restored And I find that really helpful. A life of healing is about God redeeming his world. Amen.